Well, I guess that you enjoyed the first episode. Welcome back. My name is Andy Hayes, and you're listening to The Black Horror Project. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Let's go! Hayes, and you're listening to The Black Horror Project, a podcast where we rewatch your favorite horror movies and talk about them from the Black perspective. So I'm going to start off and introduce my lovely host, Jasmine. Hey, Jasmine, how you doing today? Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm just so happy to be here. I'm really excited about today's movie. So, hey, let's just go ahead and get started. Um, So when I had turned 18 years old, um, I was still a senior in high school. And I I will also tell you that I'm from Northern Virginia and a lot of people know Northern Virginia as being part of a tri-city or tri-state area. You have Washington, DC, you have Maryland and you have Northern Virginia. We call it the DMV. So when I turned 18 years old, it only took me maybe 20, 25 minutes to get to the, to DC. And I was in that thing partying. I was going to the Palladium Club, DC Live, the Tunnel, which is a go-go club. Cause you know, DC go-go music is popular. Yeah. And I go to all the go-go's. So I really enjoyed myself, girl. I was acting a whole fool and I'm not even regretting not one of it. One bit. Hi, girl, Andy. Hi, girl, Andy. I was in these streets. So So, yeah, girl, I had such a good time um, hanging out with my friends and getting to know all types of people while I was out there. But then when I turned like 20, Two twenty-three. I ended up going to bartending school, and there I learned how to make about two hundred um, cocktail drinks. And I went from hanging out in the club and being like a customer, so to speak, to working in the club, and it's a or a totally different experience. Being mm-hmm. on the opposite side of the bar. It's <laughs> very so- demanding. I, it's a great experience because you're able to curate the space by like providing yeah. drinks and stuff for people. But when people are, when guests are upset, they're upset. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot for real. So you know what I'm talking about. But uh, I did bartending for like a few years. But now I, I really don't even go to the club anymore if I want to hang out. It's me and one of my mom friends, and we go to a local bar down the street from our houses, and we're there for a couple of hours, and then we go home. But I do appreciate that in my younger days, I I had as much fun as I could, and you know, I, I I'm always excited when I'm able to go back home to Northern Virginia and hit DC for a little 
a little twerk. <laughs> but anyway, what was your experience going to the nightclubs? Or are you uh, still going to the nightclub? So I, I'm one of the girls that like like to dance. Like I hate going to the club now because everybody just kind of stands to the side and like looks at each other. But mm-hmm. uh, not to like put a, a time, but I'm definitely uh, almost 30. And so mm-hmm. 10 years ago, everyone was dancing in the club. We had mm-hmm. people doing the jerk. And then people in, and I went to school in New Orleans, so it was a lot of twerking. If you didn't know how to twerk, you were going to learn how to twerk at least after your first semester. Like that was like a, I don't want to say it's a requirement, but whether you were black, brown, white, whatever, everybody knew how to, how to shake at some That's point. That's what's up. That's bouncing, um, right? That's what you're yes. Yay! (laughs) So I definitely had my fair share um, of club experiences, and I'm very grateful for all of this. Um, And it's just a good time. I think now, now that I'm older, I don't go out as much, but it's fun. Um, I'll go, you know, do a little hookah or go to, like, live concerts and things like that. But the club is always great. I just wish that the people would start dancing again. Yeah, I do remember going to the club and doing a lot of dancing. And I, I have noticed that people kind of are just standing on the wall or they're watching everyone else, which I mean, I think everyone does a little bit of that, but it's way too much. Like, why are you here? Have fun, you know, dance like nobody's watching. That's what they say, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So that is a great segue in today's into today's movie. Uh, today's movie is Bones, which came out in 2001, and it stars Snoop Dogg. Now, let me tell you about Snoop Dogg. I love him, girl. <laughs> I remember when he like he first came out, and I just think that he's just, I love his rhyme. I love his flow. He's just such a cool guy, and he's, I feel like he's super smart because he figured out a way to just continue to stay relevant. And he's doing these shows with Martha, Martha Stewart. He has all types of commercials. And he's just like the ultimate businessman. Like, I love his hustle. I love his vibe. I'm so into Snoop Dogg. So also, we have Pam Greer in the movie. And Pam Greer, she did some black exploitation movies in the past. She was in Coffee, Foxy Brown, Sheba Baby. And then she did a movie with Quentin Tarantino called Jackie Brown. Then we have Khalil Kane. Um, you may remember him from Juice, and he had a, a small part in Love Jones as Nia Long's uh, ex fiance. Mm-hmm. Love him. He's so cute. Then we have Clifton Powell. He's like in everything. I never expect Clifton Powell. <laughs> To, to be in, you know, as I've never expected him to be in so many projects, but he always brings so much energy to everything that he does. So yeah. I, it's very funny because I remember watching this as a kid, and then like mm-hmm. now that like I'm older and I'm revisiting these things, I can assure you, Clifton Powell to so many different movies and not really realizing how he was there. But like most notable, he's Pinky from Friday. And so like <laughs> as watching this, I'm like, oh my God. Like I just wanted to do the little ad lib, like it's Pinky. But I <laughs> it, yeah, I love him. I love him in that movie. Say something else. <laughs> 
That is so funny. Yes, he he cracks me up. And then we have um, Bianca Lawson. Oh, and she does not age. It's not she fair. She's a vampire, right? <laughs> Straight up a vampire. Every time I see her, I'm just like, man, I need to know the backstory. What's happening, girl? But she's she is Richard Lawson's daughter. And actually, we our first episode when we did Poltergeist, um, Richard Lawson was in that movie. And now we're doing a movie that his daughter is in. And I didn't even plan that. But she she is Beyonce and Solange Knowles' stepsister, which is awesome. I mean, that's just a great connection there. And then we have Michael T. Weiss. I, I'm not really sure of what other projects he's been in, but he's the white guy in the movie. Okay. <laughs> the cop? Right. The okay. cop in the movie, yeah. So what I'm going to do is, um, and also uh, the director is Ernest Dickerson, and this movie made $8.4 million in the box office, which is kind of low considering, you know, other movies, but I feel like it's still a win, especially for having an, a pretty much all-black cast horror movie. Um, you know, it's those small steps that, that make a big difference when we decide to create projects. So I'm gonna go ahead and play the original movie trailer. So here you are, Bones 2001. Natural high, a supernatural high. Awesome. So the movie starts off with a large, like creepy looking building. To me, it looks like a, a church, but it's like a large like gray brick building. 
and you see a man running with a grocery bag and he's being chased by this dark figure. And all of a sudden you hear this, this dark figure growl like a dog and it's chasing him. He's running up to his, his apartment door, mm-hmm. but he's being chased by a dog. He finally gets into his apartment and he's peeping out his, his apartment window and it's a huge black dog with red eyes and he shoots at it. I mean, he is terrified by this dog. How do you feel about dogs? Do they scare you? Are you dog friendly? What's up, Jasmine? I love dogs. Uh, <laughs> I think dogs are adorable. I Like cats are cool because you don't have to like take care of them. They, they live their own life and then they come over when they want to be touched. But dogs are just so sweet. Like my best friend has three dogs and I just love them. I love them so much. This is the kind of dog that I don't think that anyone really wants to own. Or maybe he just needs a little tender love and care. But we learn a little bit more about him later on in the movie. So next we see two guys, two white guys. They're in this neighborhood they're, they pull up in this really nice car and they meet up with two drug dealers and they're trying to make a, a deal with these guys. Um, they hand their money over to the drug dealers and they're looking for whatever drugs that they, they just purchased. And they're, t- and they're telling them like, yo, we're not going to just hand you the drugs over here, you know, in public uh, for everyone to see. You could be cops. So they tell them to go around the corner and pull out a brick out of the building. Um, I believe it's the the stone building or the church looking building that we saw in the first scene. But they tell them to go around the corner to pull out a brick to to grab the drugs. Right. So these guys, they go around the corner, they grab the drugs. And then all of a sudden they hear like a car alarm. They believe that someone is trying to steal their car. But then at the same time, the police show up. So they run into the into the building. What should we call it? Should we call it a church? Is it just a house or what? I think it's a hotel. I it, from the looks of from the looks of it, it looks like an old hotel. That's what I'm going to assume based off of like how many rooms. But it could be his. I don't know, girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they they run into the hotel and they're hiding from the cops. Two cops, it's like one overweight cop, um, and he's, you know, and he has a partner. They go inside of the church or inside of the hotel, and they're looking for these two guys. And um, the the heavyset cop, he has a flashback of his younger self, and he's shooting his gun. So this is like a, a flashback to like maybe like the 70s. Yeah. And... He's telling his partner, like, hey, no one's inside of that hotel. Let's leave. So the two young guys are inside of the hotel, and they're trying to to exit. And as they finally are able to exit the hotel, they're on the on the porch. And you see the guy, um, the guy who lives across the street in, um, in the apartment. He's peering out the window, and... He's telling them like, hey, get away from that building. You guys need to go away. It's no good there. They're trying to run out, but something grabs both of them and pulls them back in. Did you think that was scary? So eight-year-old Jasmine was definitely freaked out by this. Adult (laughs) Jasmine was like, oh, 
<laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just like something or somebody is pulling them back into this, into this hotel. And, you know, I guess it's supposed to scare us. <laughs> then we have a flashback to 1979. There's this big body car driving down the street. And that's where we get our first glimpse of Jimmy Bones. And he's in the back of the car looking all fly. Mm -hmm. um, this character is being played by Snoop Dogg. And he has a switchblade. He's playing with it. He has his chauffeur. And they're driving throughout the neighborhood. And this is where I see where... I feel like we see a connection between the guy who's in the whole in the apartment from the first from the beginning of the movie and the driver because this is the same person. And I yes. believe the character is Shotgun. So we're gonna call him Shotgun because that's what I that's what I saw in my research. That's his name, the chauffeur right. slash apartment guy. So shotgun is driving Jimmy down the street and Everyone in the neighborhood loves Jimmy. He gets out the car and he's he has a crowd around him of like adults and children. He's passing out money. They're showing him respect. And it's, he's kind of like Santa Claus of the neighborhood. And everyone is so grateful for whatever he's done for them. Um, so even though people are really excited to see Jimmy, you can obviously see that there is a substance abuse problem in this neighborhood. So we see some people, you know, who are doing some drugs, kind of looking like drugged out because this is set in, this scene is set in 1979 and this is kind of like the beginning of the crack era. So you see a, a little bit of that happening within this scene. What do you think about that, Jasmine? I It was interesting to see... Um the way in which people were completely enamored with his success mm. and how he was devoted to the community. Cause you always hear different stories about like how there was a, a period of time where drug dealers were like almost responsible. Mm. Like they weren't just people just pushing out the drug and not really caring about the, who, it, who it impacts and how it impacts them. And yeah. so um, seeing Snoop Dogg just kind of walk around and it's, I hate to say it, but it's like this is this role was like perfect for Snoop. I it, I can't imagine anybody else in that suit, anybody else with their hair curled. His bone <laughs> structure is just immaculate. Like it works for him. So this was a nice. great scene, a great a great scene to kind of uh, display, you know, the contrasting tones within within that city, but also within how people regarded him because there were some people there. They were clearly envious and not necessarily excited to see him being there. Yeah, that's totally clear. So uh, I, I totally feel what you're saying. It's like some of those like drug dealers, like they they kind of ruined the community, but like they respect him at the same time. They're showing him love. But I really feel like Snoop Dogg was perfect for that role. That's that's a great point. I, I, and I also can't see anyone else doing um, the role of Jimmy Bones. So we're flashing back to modern day and we meet Patrick. And Patrick is, um, he hops out of a, a van with his siblings. This is modern day of the hotel. 
and they're going inside and Patrick is telling them that he has an idea to use this building and turn it into a nightclub. Uh, he has, I guess, saved up some money and he put all his, all that money into per making this purchase and he's really excited about it. So his, him and his siblings go into this hotel and it looks really, really bad. Like this building is not up to code at all. <laughs> I, like, I'm yeah. so confused as to how like he even obtained this building because yeah. it, that, that part of the storyline does not necessarily make sense. But I, I was just like, why is he so intrigued by this place? And I was like, maybe there's like a spiritual connection there, but th that wasn't there either. So I was just like, why? So I was like, you know, I'm just going to settle for it, for it being him being mixed and then just call it a day. Like he just wants to explore. He sees something in it. That's great for him. <laughs> but <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, he, he is kind of like in a trance when it comes to this building. He has some sort of a connection to it, but they never really explain it. But Patrick, he does tell his siblings that this building was previously owned by Jimmy Bones and Maurice, which is, which is his, which is a friend that's hanging out with them. He tells them a little bit of the backstory of Jimmy Bones. Um, I should kind of like lay out the siblings or everyone or all the characters who are there. So you have Patrick. He seems like he's the older brother. Then you have Bill. He's the younger brother. Then you have Tia. She's the sister. And then you also have Maurice. He's the friend. So going back, Maurice is telling the story of Jimmy Bones. Patrick has a flashback to, I'm assuming it's him in the flashback as a child where he's, you know, just kind of standing there and maybe idolizing Jimmy Bones or we really don't get any information, but I'm assuming that the kid in the flashback um, in 1979 is Patrick. Yes. Right. But I don't, but for some reason, I don't know if he's not making the connection or maybe he's not telling the full truth of his connection with this building or knowing Jimmy Bones because when Maurice is telling the story, he's looking like, um, whatever, or, oh, really? Like, I don't know. I feel like- I I found that very more than leading on. Go ahead. I found that very odd as well. Yeah. That because they would do those flashbacks and then they would pin back to him and he still has that same kind of glossy eye look like he knows something is there. Um yeah. and then like later on, it's just, it's clear that there's something that he is trying to pull out, whether mm -hmm. it's like through his relationship with his father or it's something personal for him or still just very odd that I wish they would have added something there that he knew because three it was clear that he was like five and I, I have memories as a five-year-old so it's like you have some sort of inkling in there why won't you just open up about that but I think he I think he is trying to mislead his siblings mm -hmm. as, and 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 pull them in like oh I, I don't really know what's going on in here who's Jimmy Bones Oh, it's not. It's not what I think it is. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was I was hoping that later on in the movie he would be more upfront with maybe his connection, but he it doesn't seem like he, he does that at all. 
So they're taking a tour of the hotel. Um, obviously, like I said, there's no, it looks like there's no inspection. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Patrick, you're such a dummy. Why did you put all your money into this building? It obviously needs a lot of work, but I digress. <laughs> so, right. so Patrick, he, he thinks that, you know, he can get this building up and running. He goes down to the, to like the boiler room and he turns on the heat. And when he turns on the heat, that the hotel just wakes up. Uh, Tia, she, the sister, she opens up one of the bedrooms and she sees the dog that we saw earlier in the movie, but this is her first introduction to this dog. And it's growling, and it's angry. And she offers the dog a hamburger, which <laughs> I'm sure that no one's feeding this animal. So a hamburger is probably just like the best meal he's had in a long time, but he eats it up. Um, and maybe he's growling at people because he's hangry. <laughs> Do you get you get a little annoyed and irritated when you're hungry? You know, those Snicker commercials are really about me. If I don't have <laughs> a snack, everyone's gonna feel my wrath. Tia comes downstairs with the dog and she names him Bones which is a cute name. <laughs> so yeah, so they're, they're leaving. They decide to leave out of this hotel. Shotgun and Pearl, who is, um, who is a mother and she warns them about the hotel. And Pearl is there with her daughter, Cynthia. And they're pretty much like saying like, hey, leave this building alone, leave that dog alone. Don't take it with you. You don't know anything about what's happening here or the backstory of that building. Um, but Pearl is looking at Patrick and she says that he looks familiar, which I'm just like, just say who you are at this point. Just come clean and just say you know something about what's happening right now but she looks at him and she's like hey like you look familiar and he's like oh yeah well I you know I was born here but I grew up in the suburbs and just say um, who your daddy is that's what that's the key part it's just <laughs> say who's your dad like please get that out of the way right exactly but Patrick he catches the eye of Cynthia and vice versa and him and Bill decide to walk Pearl and Cynthia home. And, you know, they kind of just are trying to be neighborly. And it's like, hey, we're going to be neighbors. Let's get to know each other. They walk up to um, Pearl and Cynthia's home, which is their home, but it's also their business because Pearl is a psychic, um, a psychic reader. I think she does like tarot cards. So she has a full on business. Good for her. <laughs> But she, um, she's just basically, again, just telling him, like, stay away from this building um, and just be careful. So after we meet Pearl and Cynthia, we cut over to Eddie. We meet Eddie Mack, and he's at a pool hall with his girlfriend. And he turns out to be the drug boss of the two drug dealers that we saw er earlier in the movie. And I don't know these drug dealers' name, but I just kind of want to call them dumb and dumber because they are really stupid. Especially the one guy who has the back, 
the backwards cornrows. Did you notice that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we're just gonna move forward from that because I was like, <laughs> who's wearing their hair like that? Who's doing this? <laughs> That's fair enough. We can move on. So, <laughs> so um, Eddie Mac is just like, hey, I heard that something went down over um, near that hotel when you guys were doing that drug deal with those two drug deal with those two customers you were supposed to just do the drug deal you're one supposed to go all crazy and kill them and you know act like lunatics and they're like no that wasn't us all we did was steal their car so eddie you know eddie bones is like whatever i believe that he's still stuck in the 70s with the way he wears his hair and the way that he dresses <laughs> And I mean, he just has like that ditzy little girlfriend, bless her heart. But yeah, so <laughs> that's kind of like the first time that we meet Eddie Mac. What do you think about Eddie? Eddie Mac, I love the actor that plays Eddie Mac. Rest mm -hmm. in peace to him. Uh, very funny. He's the comedic relief throughout this entire film, and I really enjoyed him. I love his mouth, I love the way in which he talks and his mm -hmm. like tone. It's very direct. Um, yeah. I fell in love with him while watching Moesha and that just confirmed like he's really a great art actor. He's pretty solid. Um, but the, the hair, it's giving very dated pimp. And that's okay. It works for this. It works for this movie. Um, yeah. But I was, I was a little sad that his career didn't really progress. Like you brought this you are supposed to be like this kingpin and you're still in this small little building and in this small town, so. Where we meet the father um, and his name is Jeremiah. He's there with his wife. And, you know, this is where Patrick, Bill and Tia live. Uh, so, we instantly have a flash or Jeremiah instantly has a flashback back to 1979. He's setting up a meeting. He's like a friend of a Jimmy Bones, a close friend, but he's setting up a meeting for Jimmy Bones to meet up with Eddie Mac, this police officer named Lupovich. And they're trying to um, put together a plan to make a lot of money and leave the hood. Um, but Jimmy, he isn't interested because he really loves the hood and he doesn't want to leave. Uh, how do you feel about people who make a little bit of money, but they're kind of just complacent and don't want to move on? I mean, because, and, and I'll say this here, like, I feel like some of those people, like even if they make a, a little bit more money um, than they're used to having, they they stay in those neighborhoods because that's where their mom lives. That's where their family and their friends live. That's where you know the people that they trust stay. So if they move out of the area, you know they might encounter some people that who are not as trustworthy, and it's just it's just a comfort zone for them. What do you think? I think for Jimmy, it was really about empowering the people of that city because mm -hmm. as much as he yes if he was a drug dealer, because I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to say he was. Um, 
as much bad he was doing, he was also compensating and good. Because when you when they do the flashbacks, the streets look completely different. The buildings are up, everything's there. There's still a lot of businesses that are mom and pop stores that look well. Even mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of uh, her character name at this time, but Foxy Brown. Uh, Pam she, Greer. Yeah. yeah, Pam Greer. She her little shop was looking well. Everything was brighter, and so I think. While yes, progress is great, but I also believe in maintaining and uplifting your city. And it kind of seems like once he died, there wasn't a real regulation and <clears throat> empowerment and uh, the drug dealing. It just kind of spiraled out of control. Cause it's like, even his, even his hotel and everything around it, it looks horrible. Right. Yeah. It was kind of like Jimmy was some sort of like small time mayor or alderman for the town, for his neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And he was trying to do some good there. Eddie Mack is kind of like fussing at Lukovic and he's and Lukovic is telling him like, hey, you know, chill out. I arrest all of your competition. All you got to do is just give me a little bit of a payout. That's kind of like the working relationship that they have. Uh, and Lukovic, he does mention to Eddie Mac, like, hey, I heard that Jeremiah's company sold that old hotel that we used to hang out at, you know, where Jimmy Bones used to own, you know, and he's just like, what's up with that? Like, Jeremiah told us that he would never sell that building. And he knows that we have some secrets there. So we need to check into that somehow, you know? And he's just really concerned about those secrets coming out to the public. So that's just hold on to that information there. So the kids decide to move into the hotel. So that's Patrick and his siblings. They move into the, the hotel and Cynthia... Pearl's daughter, she shows up and she's there to help. And I say that in quotation marks, like she's there to help. <laughs> That's so, her baby. She <laughs> not, her mother has not allowed her to be around anyone. So she saw that boy and was like, her eyes just lit up. Yes, she's so into him. So she goes over and she's talking to Patrick. She's dropping a little bit of knowledge. Um, that her mom taught her about, you know, just spirits and psychic psychic abilities and, and things that matter. Um, and she's doing a little bit of flirting with Patrick. Um, but did you notice, oh, I don't want to pull her cards, but did you notice in box braids, they were a Please. little uneven. Look, uh, they were three different sizes. And <laughs> I'm going to chalk it up to her mother was un- like, maybe her mother was considering locking that hair. Because sometimes, like, maybe it was a Whoopi Goldberg thing where they braid it and, you know, the hair wraps around the locks. I don't know. Right. So we're going to let that one be, you know, just fell through the cracks. It. <laughs> they were trying to give her a mystical alternative black girl look. And um, the alternative okay. black girls that I know, their box braids were all one size. So I don't know why they, cho- they went that route with her. But she's a beautiful girl. So it's like, she it gave her almost a... Right? It gave her a Lisa Bonet esque thing oh maybe that's what they were going for i didn't catch that you're so positive jasmine (laughs) (laughs) but 
Yeah, I can't stop looking at them. I'm looking at that hairstyle the whole movie. But you know what I'm saying? Do your thing, girl. <laughs> Do your thing. You know what I mean? So Bill, Bill is upstairs in one of the bedrooms. He's chilling. He has the, his headphones on his head. He has his eyes closed. He's like in the, a vibe, just enjoying himself. And as he's doing that, we see the bedroom wall transform into like this black mass. It's like a black wall. And these bodies are reaching out of it. Like there are heads and hands reaching out. And they look like dead souls or something, but they're literally coming out of the wall. And they're hovering over Bill. He doesn't notice that anything is happening. But I actually love this scene because I was not expecting to have these awesome um, what special effects in this in this movie. But I thought that scene was great. What did you think about that? I think that so as I was watching this movie, and particularly with this scene, I was like the meat. There, if they ever wanted to like redo this movie, however, I don't want them to. If they ever wanted to, they have a lot to work with, particularly mm-hmm. because of that that scene with all the bodies coming out. It, it was great, I, but for the what's the for the gentleman who was laying down, I was confused. I was like, your your fight or flight did not kick in at all, and oftentimes <laughs> it's like. Black people, you know, one person starts running or we hear a noise, we stare off into the distance and then we're out of here really fast. And so watching that, I was like, oh my gosh. And so I became one of those people <laughs> in the movie theater that's like, get up. Like, why are you standing here? Like, yes. here. You, put, you felt something brush over you and you put your headphones right back on. Like, I was so confused. <laughs> Yeah, he was totally just in the zone. I mean, and these bodies are just hovering over him. Um, so he, I, I guess like he doesn't notice, but he opens his eyes at some point and there's a mirror on the ceiling and he sees the ghost of Jimmy Bones in this, um, in this mirror and he jumps and he's like totally creep, creeped out because we hear Jimmy Bones say, go boy, go. And I'm I'm like, I'm not sure. Okay. Is that the same thing as get out? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I it, it sounds appropriate for Snoop Dogg. Like right. I think that they were trying to use the language and try to fall in line with like Snoop Dogg's regular like how he just normally interacts with people. Right, yes. So I mean this is this is Bill's first time seeing the ghost of Jimmy Bones in that mirror. And when he jumps up and he makes a noise, Patrick pops up and he's knocking on the door like, hey, like what's going on? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, this place is a, is a a bit creepy. So <laughs> Pearl, she's looking at an old photo of her and Jimmy, you know, at this you know, at this point, we, they may have showed it before, but, you know, they were in a relationship. They were, they were boyfriend and girlfriend. And she's reminiscing about Jimmy. When she's looking at the picture, we see that Jimmy moves in the picture. Mm-hmm. Were you scared with that? Did that creep you out? Great effects. Great. Yeah. I, I, 
I think that that was a great indicator that okay, Jimmy Jimmy Bone's spirit is still alive, mm-hmm. and it's clear that he it's in a state of unrest. He's not happy because even for him to have this mug towards, I guess, the love of his life, it's, yeah, it's it's clear that he's upset. Yeah. So we're back in 1979 and we see uh, Pearl and Jimmy, they're walking down the sidewalk. Pearl, she wants to, you know, hang out a little bit more, but Jimmy's like, hey, you know, I got this meeting later on, a meeting that Jeremiah set up for me with these guys. And, you know, Pearl, she's like, oh, you know, that's whack. But let me read your palm because I want to see your lifeline. So she's reading his palm and she's seeing that, like, you know, you're not going to be here too long, Jimmy. And he brushes it off like, oh, you know, whatever. That is my favorite part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, she's like, there's a line across your lifeline. He's like, oh, baby, that's my clothesline, my phone line. Right. That was so cute, right? So yeah, so she doesn't want him to go to this meeting. Um, and we later learned that she was right. She she has the vision. She knew that something was something bad was gonna happen. And Patrick, he notices that blood is seeping through the floors. And when they touch the floor, they feel a heartbeat, like a um, like a throbbing coming out of the floor. So he's like, hey, we got to go downstairs to the basement and check things out. And all of you guys are coming with me. Like, I'm not going down there by myself at this point. So they go downstairs to the basement and they see that the pipes, are leaking the same blood. And this is just so weird. It's just like, they've never seen anything like this. I don't think anyone has ever seen, I've never seen a a scene like this in any other horror movie, but I love it where you see that blood like coming out of the pipes. Um, And Maurice, he's saying that it's rust, but there's no way that there's that much rust coming out of these pipes. That, That doesn't even make any sense. But when they're down there, Bones, the dog, he's scraping at a door. He's trying to get in. And Patrick, he breaks the lock. And when they go through this door, it leads to an underground tunnel. Mm-hmm. And we we kind of see um, him interested like in a, in a pile of dirt. He's scraping at this pile of dirt. And Cynthia notices that the dog has pretty much dug up a makeshift grave and there's a skeleton in there. What did you think when you saw that skeleton? Uh, two things. That cop did a great cover up because I'm like, this is a, a this is like a, a functioning hotel. So they had to cover all this up. Like they, I'm yeah. sure somebody did a missing person or something saying that, you know, Jimmy was gone. Right. Um, and so for that body to have been there for, what, 20-something, maybe 30 years, that was crazy. Um, and also, I'm just like, does not, do the people not notice that this dog has red eyes? Like, that is, <laughs> to me, it's like there's so many indicators here that yeah. 
this dog is awesome. Right. And their reaction to even seeing the uh, skeleton was, I would have stayed, I, I just, yeah, the amount of just like, oh, wow, it's a body. And, and, and it's like, y'all don't, I would have left the pulse, the blood, and then a body. There's no reason <laughs> for me to be here anymore. You're like, one, two, three strikes. We're out. <laughs> You're out. But Maurice, he is believing that this is actually the skeleton of Jimmy Bones. He sees the switchblade that Jimmy has. He has. He sees the diamond ring. There's some sort of song that goes along with the story of Jimmy Bones that he sings. And we also see a piece of green fabric in there. Um, so they're just like, man, this is weird. Like, I, I think that at this point, they just kind of like leave it alone and decide to go upstairs. But as they're going upstairs, Cynthia, she kind of sees like some dark figures on her way up. And I believe that this is also the ghost or the spirit of Jimmy Bones. So yeah, so she's kind of captivated by seeing this, this figure. So everyone goes upstairs, but before... Maurice heads upstairs. He steals the ring off of the skeleton's body. And I'm like, that's rude. <laughs> I just don't, like, I don't know. I'm just one of those people, you don't play with the dead. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that they're like, you know, I'm going to assume that they're <laughs> late teens, early 20s, because none of this of what they're doing is making sense. Like, it's just, Right. I'm like, oh, you're disrupting body parts now. It's in a horrible grave, so you know that he, you know, the house is shifting. I just, yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> Poor Jimmy. Poor Jimmy. It's like Maurice was signing. You know, he was just like, yeah, it's a diamond. It's a it's a ring that everybody probably wants. Let me right. let me be the cool person and just like, oh Lord. Right, I'm gonna rock this diamond ring now. <laughs> so yeah, so um, it's dinner time for Bones the dog, and he's eating raw hamburger meat. Looks like so as he's eating this this hamburger meat, it builds the anatomy of the skeleton that's in that tunnel. So I'm gonna go ahead and assume that you know say that it is the skeleton of Jimmy Bone of, of yes. yeah of Jimmy Bones. So as this dog eats, I you kind of make the connection of like when he eats, it builds the anatomy onto the skeleton. The spirit of Jimmy Bones is in this dog in some way. They have a connection, but the more he eats, the more Jimmy comes back to life. That made me immediately think of the mummy. I don't oh. know if you've seen the mummy where like, you know, in order for him to gain, like, like the way in which that you're able to see the muscle tissue and everything kind of build up. I, I, that if there's any part of this movie that I really enjoyed is that I think whoever did the special effects and, and did and worked that portion did a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I have seen that. I've seen a couple of mummy movies, but I think, I believe I do remember seeing a scene where it's just like, the more they take in, like the the body just builds and becomes a stronger being in some way. So yeah, yeah. So Patrick and Cynthia they're in one of the bedrooms and they're having a romantic evening. There's a headboard in the background that lights up. 
okay, that's sexy. <laughs> but it's supposed to be like a romantic type of evening. And they're talking about Jimmy and, you know, they're talking about, Jim, about Jimmy. Cynthia's talking about her mom and just life in general. Patrick is trying to open up a bottle of wine. He can't really get it open. He has no skills in that. <laughs> but, you know, Cynthia's like, fuck that wine. Like, let's get it on. So they're kind of like kissing, making out. And thank God there is a clean pair of sheets on this bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody had enough sense to do that. Um, good job, kids. So yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're getting into it. And but Cynthia, she kind of gets like out of the mood because she sees that sees that dark figure again. So she's telling Patrick, like, you know, stop, you know, I'm turned off, you know, let's, you know, let's just chill out. I can't do this right now. And she has rescinded her consent and Patrick listens. <laughs> so she's saying that, you know, hey, I'll stay the night here in the house. And Patrick, Patrick is like, that's cool. I'll go hang out with the boys. I'll sleep in one of those extra rooms with them. And, you know, that's fine. So he's very respectful. And I appreciate that. What do you think about that? I definitely love him uh, respecting her and acknowledging mm -hmm. like, okay, you don't feel comfortable, let me uh, respect that and let me move out of the way. Right. I That's also just want to make a small note. Yeah. That Cynthia's mother says she's she has some sort of like inclination or some sort of like power. Mm hmm Where is this in all of this? Where right. is it, girl? Right. And furthermore, girl, go home. Go home. <laughs> you live across the street. Just go... <laughs> Why are you spending the night in this in this room in this creepy ass hotel? Like, go home. You don't need to be there. So, but she want to hang out. Good for her. So we go back to Pearl, and Pearl she has some customers who are, of course, people from the neighborhood, and they're doing a seance. So they're all around this table holding hands, and she's asking the spirits to, to come to her, and who are you here to see? And when she mentions everyone's name around the table, you really don't get a reaction from the spirit, but as soon as Pearl asks if the spirit is here to see her, you know, the spirit goes crazy. And She's having like a transcending experience, which is flashing her back to 1979. So she's, so while that is happening, we go back to Cynthia. She's in the bed and it looks like Patrick comes back into the bedroom and he climbs into bed with her and she's thinking like, hmm, this is nice. Okay. He's cuddling up to her and that's, that's sweet. And then he, you know, he gets a little fresh with her and she's just like, hey, stop it. Like, chill. Like, I'm not trying to do that tonight. You're you're doing way too much. And I'm just like, why is he back in this bedroom? Like, why did he change his mind? Is he possessed? What's happening? But at the same time, Pearl is still having this transcending experience across the street. And she sees visions of Cynthia. She sees visions of Jimmy. 
Um, and then during this time, like you see a vision of Cynthia. She's like in a pool of blood. Remember that scene where she's in the bed, but she's like in blood, covered in blood. And she's kind of like bathing in it kind of. Right. Yeah. This that, this little scene was a little bit weird because it's clear that it's clear that she has a tie to Jimmy Bones. We're not mm-hmm. sure if that's his child at this point or right. or you know, we don't know. But based off of just how how her mother reacts to that home, it's clear that there's <laughs> there's a, a strong pull there and she does not want her daughter to be immersed into that. And mm-hmm. so I was a little bit weird by like whatever that figure was being fresh with her. Cause I was like, if this is Jimmy Bones getting fresh with his daughter, that's a little weird. Eventually Cynthia, she wakes up as she's trying to tell Patrick get off of her. But when she, when she turns over, no one is in the bed. With her. This is like, this is just really scary because she thinks that it's Patrick. It's, it's not Patrick the at all. Yeah, one of the bodies from off of that wall. Now that you say that, I wonder if it's like one of those bodies from off the wall. One of those spirits. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. That Jeremiah works for owns this building in some capacity. So I guess that's why Patrick, he didn't know that Patrick purchased it. It's something that that's with that to where like Jeremiah didn't know that Patrick was the owner of this building, but he tries to convince his dad, like, Hey, I fix up this business. You should be proud of me. But we all know that Jeremiah has some, a secret. So that's the real reason why he's upset at, at Patrick. Jimmy Bones. He's in the hotel. He's in the elevator. He's on his way to the meeting, um, which I'm assume, assuming is like on some sort of like top floor. And in the meeting, we see Eddie Mack, um, Luke, the cop, Lukovich, and Jeremiah. And, you know, they're, they're going to talk about whatever idea Eddie Mack has for Jimmy. So, they're talking about some sort of like lottery scheme that's kind of like low budget. But Eddie Mac is like, yo, I have an idea to make for us to make some real money. And his his idea pretty much is to sell crack to the neighborhood, sell crack to his customers. And he wants to go in business with Jimmy. But Jimmy is not feeling this at all. Um, at the time, I'm not sure if they actually are using the word crack, but they call it freebasing. Mm-hmm. And that's when they take cocaine and they add other chemicals to it and they make a rock and blah, 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 blah. You've seen that in other movies. <laughs> but yeah, so they're going to try to sell cocaine to the neighborhood. And Jimmy is not into that. He's like, yo, like we've already done so much damage to the neighborhood. I'm trying to uplift everyone like you were saying before, um, Jasmine. And he's he's like, this meeting is over. I'm not selling crack to my to my people. I love these people. Uh, one I want to acknowledge that this is a part of the cinematography that I agree when they flash back to the scene the lighting changes and so everybody's kind of enhanced in a very different way versus like when they're 
regular is just like I don't want to say that they're ashy, but the light in which they use, everybody's very like washed out. And so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this scene. Um, I hated um, it. It gave a lot of insight to the level of fear that people had for um, crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. I think. I think people were aware. I don't know how maybe Jimmy knew that crack cocaine would do the damage that it was it was going to do. Mm-hmm. But man, and it so it showed that his counterparts were very greedy and very selfish. Right, because Jeremiah he doesn't care. He's just trying to make the money. So he's trying to push Jimmy to make this deal with Eddie Mac. At this point, Eddie Mac and Lukovich they feel disrespected because Jimmy has no interest in talking with them any further. So they pull out their guns, Eddie Mack and Lupovich, they pull out their guns and they're pointing it towards Jeremiah and Jimmy. And they're forcing Jimmy to try the crack. And he's just like, just try it, man. Just try it with a gun to your head. So Jimmy, he goes ahead and he smokes the crack. It gets him high immediately and he's uncomfortable. He hates the feeling and he's disoriented. And Pearl, she comes up to, comes up the elevator. She goes into the meeting and she sees all the guns pointed at Jimmy. Jimmy, he pulls out his switchblade and he, I believe that Lukovic is the one who first shoots Jimmy. And then Eddie, Eddie Max shoots him a couple of times. But at this point, Jimmy is dead. And Pearl is, of course, she's sad and she's freaking out about it. And it's just so unfortunate. I mean, Jimmy was trying to do so good, but Eddie Mack and Lukovich, they could care less. And they kill him. And that's, you know, and that's how Jimmy dies. Isn't that sad? It was really sad, especially the way that Pearl was like crying and weeping over him. Um, And then the way in which they then kind of forced everybody to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. I was I was like shotgun. I wasn't sure if if he was in on it or not. And I think that is the the one distinction that had me a little confused was, mm. was he a part of it? Because the way he, he dropped his gun so quick. Mm-hmm. So I, such a sad scene. But Snoop, I just want to say, face card never declines. He is so <laughs> perfect for this role because he, yes. he had like his face, his, the structure, it's almost like a skeleton because he's so thin. But then mm-hmm. he looks just like that dog. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. So, yeah. So um, just to piggyback on what you were saying, Lukovich is saying like, hey, we all have to be responsible about what happened with Jimmy today. So I'm going to need everyone to stab him a couple of times with his switchblade. That way he has some sort of collateral on everyone. Everyone's fingerprints is on this knife. So if anyone decides to go to the police or tell anyone about this story like you're part of it too so he has everyone stab jimmy with this with the switchblade so jeremiah is the first one 
to stab. Yeah, Jeremiah is the first one to stab Jimmy with a switchblade. Then we have Shotgun. They he stabs Jimmy with a split with the switchblade. And then it's Pearl's time to, to stab him. And of course, she doesn't want to stab him. This is the love of her life. So as she's holding the, the switchblade knife, Jimmy is he has like a just enough strength to lift up his body. And he actually stabs himself with the knife. Um, so Pearl doesn't have to do it. And I was just like, that's so sweet of him. Like he didn't want her to go through that. So that yeah. love is just there. And also Pam Greer is fine. Gorgeous. Yes. <laughs> I love Pam Greer. She's so iconic, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, she's Pearl. She's really sad. And Lukovic, he doubles down on her and takes her green dress. He just snatches it off of her body. And he's using this green dress as collateral on her because he feels like he's really going to say something to the cops about what happened that day. So she, he takes the dress and he buries, he's going to bury it downstairs in that tunnel with Jimmy's body. So now she can't say anything like she knows too much and everyone's going down if she mentions it. to a world without bitterness. It's the Brave Moon's Jamaican Blue Mountain Coffee. The well-balanced cup promises to deliver subtle acidity with a smooth chocolate finish, conveniently packaged in a single-serve pod. It's a new morning. You deserve to brew something good. You can purchase the Brave Moon Coffee online at thebravemoon.com. It's the first night of the nightclub. Everyone's getting it in, dancing off beat. Music is repetitive. <laughs> and Maurice is the DJ. He's, you know, doing his thing. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Cynthia, she comes in with her leather outfit, looking all sexy. I'm like, yes, girl. <laughs> Patrick is feeling it. Uh, what do you think about this nightclub scene? It so honestly, this is another one of those parts where I was like, okay, we could actually redo this because <laughs> because of the air, like everybody loves Airbnbs and experiences, yeah. And so it could have re- it could really work out. It could really work out. And I was like, this is so cool. And I think about like as a child, I've always envisioned the club kind of being like that, like that, and like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Blade. Yes. where they like have those club scenes and it's dark and it's like really intense and I was like oh this is so cool um and I love the fashion from then not necessarily for the guys but for the women like it's really cute and we see this beautiful woman she walks up to Maurice and she's kind of like enticing him she's giving him all the vibes and Maurice is telling Bill like hey like I gotta go I, I'm gonna need you to take over this this DJ set and he follows this unknown beautiful woman upstairs to one of the rooms in the what we are now calling the nightclub so they go up to one of the rooms he thinks he's about to get some 
<laughs> she's doing some sort of like sexy dance in the dark. Um, and she's pretty much wearing like a see-through dress with just underwear on. I'm like, oh, the confidence. <laughs> but yeah, so he's about to pull out a, a blunt and smoke. He he thinks it's going to be a, a party where they're, you know, going to do a little smoking and get it on. And all of a sudden, this woman transforms into Bones the dog and starts attacking Maurice. And I'm like, okay, this movie is taking an interesting turn at this point. (laughs) So Patrick is looking for Maurice. He finds whatever room that he's in. And when he opens up the door, he sees that Bones the dog has killed Maurice. What do you think Patrick was thinking at that point? I hope that that was finally a sign for him to get out. (laughs) But obviously it was not. You know, yeah. it's I that's what I wanted it to be. I don't I honestly I don't know what Patrick was thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Patrick does catch a glimpse of Jimmy Bones's face, like the actual human in the dog. And that freaks him out too, because that's like his first time ever seeing Jimmy Bones' face. And the dog instantly starts throwing up all of these disgusting maggots all over. Patrick, like, I've never seen so many maggots ever, but he's just, like, throwing up tons and tons of these disgusting maggots out of his mouth, and he's covered in them. I'm thinking, like, ew. (laughs) What did you think when you saw all of those maggots all over him? I, maggots are just not for me. Like, I, I, ugh, ugh. It like I don't have any of the words or sounds, but ugh, like that was so nasty and so weird. And I was like, is he coughing up the death? Because you know maggots probably ate up his body. So I was like, I'm just gonna take it as he's coughing up the death. I don't I... know. But, ugh. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah, so, so then the dog bones the dog. He vanishes into thin air. That energy and like that spirit of the dog like goes down to where the skeleton of Jimmy Bones is. And at this point, I feel like he's eaten enough raw meat and human matter for the full body of anatomy of Jimmy Bones to complete. And Jimmy, Jimmy Bones, he's back. Mm -hmm. His body is fully grown back. And as this is happening, um, all of the maggots that came from the dog's mouth, like it's raining maggots down in the nightclub now. Like the maggots are like dropping all over like the club goers and the customers. The dude who was eating pizza. Pizza. Oh. I was like, sir, put it down. You chew that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the maggots are everywhere. It's literally raining. Like we're on a DJ booth. They're just, uh, that has <laughs> it's like the worst um, nightclub scene ever where it's just like now you're being attacked by bugs and of course everyone in the club is frantic they're trying to get out of the, the one front door <laughs> in this nightclub um, yeah because they, they are totally grossed out and I'm sure they would never um, come back to this place and someone is writing a uh, one star Yelp review A note from the editor, Jimmy Bones kills Shotgun 
and the two idiot drug dealers. Thanks. Rest in peace, shotgun. Because <laughs> Jimmy slices his neck with a switchblade. So Um, we see Eddie Mac in the pool hall and he's there with his girlfriend. They just got, you know, they thing off little, doing a little something, something. <laughs> but his girlfriend, she runs to the bathroom to freshen up. And Eddie Mac is like thinking to himself like, dang, she's been gone for a while. It looks like all of like 60 seconds she's been gone. Like, can you give her a minute to clean up? I mean, goodness. So... <laughs> He's looking for her and then he kind of slips into like a pool of blood. Um, he keeps walking and he sees his girlfriend dead in the trash can. When the the blood that they chose here, can we just call it <laughs> acrylic paint? It's really houseplant. <laughs> like that stuff is thick. I've never seen blood yeah. that thick before in my life. But um, this is where the humor of that comes out because yeah. he does not shut up. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I love when Jimmy Bones is like just carrying him around like oh he just yes. <laughs> the comedy comes in because of course Jimmy Bones kills Eddie but he kills him but he chops his head off and the head is still talking <laughs> He's holding him by his hair and he's just talking all types of shit. It is so funny the way he's carrying him around, right? Yes, holding him by that cheap perm. It is crazy. <laughs> A note from the editor, Jimmy Bones kills Lukovich. Lukovich. He's a dirty cop. Anyway, he's dead. So now Jimmy has two heads. He has Lukovich's head and he has Eddie Mac's head. And he's just walking around town with those things. Like, <laughs> like a purse. Just like hold him. Hold no serious and carry it on. And you know, Eddie's just talking all types of shit. <laughs> and it completes it complete Snoop Dogg's look because he has a new press. It's a straight press. It works. <laughs> Yes, yes, he does. I did notice the hairstyle change. He goes from the pink curls to, to a little silk, silk press. It is laid. <laughs> it is laid. A note from the editor Pearl, Patrick, and Cynthia go back to the nightclub to save Jeremiah. But Jimmy Bones kills him too. Oops, too late. Then Maurice comes back from the dead and kills Bill. But Patrick doesn't care. It's just his little brother. Then Pearl and Jimmy Bones are finally reunited. It's a love story, kind of. And then Pearl tells Cynthia that Jimmy Bones is her father. It's a family reunion. she realizes that you know this can't continue this has to stop like Jimmy can't keep torturing people and killing people 
she has she has the power to to end all of this so she takes one of the red candles and she sets herself on fire she sat she, she lit up quick she lit up real fast it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> that was like a firecracker it was so quick there was it just straight up in flames dress skin everything and i was just like girl you know, those dresses like back in the day were made with polyester. I think that fabric catches fire quickly. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> like all, it's not, that dress was not made out of silk. It was like a, a synthetic blend, probably. <laughs> probably, cause that was so quick. I was like, man, mama's hair is like on fire. She's straight up flames. And she didn't even fight it. She just stood there. Yeah. That's man, that's crazy. Well, good for her. She she sacrificed herself herself for Cynthia. And that's what mamas do, right? I don't know if I would set myself on fire for my baby, but we do make sacrifices for our children. We do. Cynthia is following Patrick and he found he finds a way to get out of the house. Um, but they make a jump. They they jump from the like the the top floor down to the bottom floor, and Patrick is telling her like, okay, we gotta jump. So he jumps first, and Cynthia is about to jump, but something pulls her back for like a couple of seconds. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah, I I had to rewind that part because I'm just like something happened right there. Something not right. So yeah, so. You know, Patrick is turned the other way when this happens. But when he turns around, he's like, Cynthia, jump. Like, we got to go. So she so her, she comes back and she eventually does jump. But something has changed in her. Patrick, he's, he's looking at the house um, or the hotel or nightclub or, you know, the building. And it's absolutely ruined. It's not livable. If it wasn't up to code when he bought it, it's definitely not up to code now. <laughs> And he um, he sees that old photo that Pearl had of her and Jimmy, and he's looking at it. And as he's looking at it, we see Jimmy move in the picture again. Mm. His spirit is still alive, girl. Even though the house is in ruins, Jimmy is still rolling around in some way. And we hear his voice say, dog eats dog, boy. And that's and that's how it should have ended. <laughs> because Patrick it's just at this point, Patrick is just a mess. Yeah. He's so clueless and you just have to chalk it up to them being young. And I think that's what makes this film work is because they're so young. Like yeah. it, it it hinges on the fact that they're like clueless young teenagers are young adults trying to figure through life, trying to prove themselves to their parents. And they're just making all kinds of mistakes. And then next thing you know, Cynthia opens up her mouth and what comes out of her mouth? Maggots. She vomits the maggots. Disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. (laughs) And that's how the movie ends. I normally ask, could this be done with an all black cast? But because this is considered maybe a, a black movie, 
could this movie be done with an all-white cast? I personally, because this movie is so rooted in black exploitation, I don't mm-hmm. think that Snoop's character or uh, Max's character could happen without it seeming like a gimmick or or appropriation. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, we try to like rid ourselves of certain stereotypes, some of mm-hmm. these things we also, you know, we take ownership of. And I think certain aspects of like drug dealers or particularly from that time period we like to keep and so I I couldn't imagine um a white Jimmy Bones um yeah and it was very interesting that one of the few people that said the n-word was the white cop in this film Mm -hmm. I don't really remember hearing it from anyone else and so I think the dynamic just kind of works as is like leaving it as an all black cast because of the maximization. Well, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. Um, I feel like if this was done with an all white cast, black people would be pissed off because, of course, we would feel like you know you're making fun of us in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this, that would just not be good. That wouldn't go over well even areas like Detroit it's some area of town I'm not gonna say it's Detroit but it I think the city itself was even a black city yeah is there certain elements like the alternative like could some of the characters other characters be switched absolutely like I could see Cynthia as an alternative white girl I hate to say it that way but I could see her as that I could see Pearl, yeah. Pearl, um, you know, being a, a white woman if that was a choice. Because, like, with magic and witches and things like that, or any of that, it just kind of has that option. But the other main characters, uh, particularly Jimmy Bones, I, I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, I felt like, hmm, if you push come the shove, I feel like Snoop would have to stay in the role as Jimmy Bones. If we yeah. really had to do it with a white cast, Snoop will remain in his role. And then, you know, all the white people in the movie would just have to be careful with what they say. Yes, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what elements could be added to this movie to make it better or, or worse? Honestly, the only, I mean, their budget was relatively low when in comparison to other horror movies. So I think mm-hmm. they did a great job with, uh, the effects and utilizing actual people, yeah, or like those souls. Um, yeah. so that was cool. You know, my only complaint is really the blood. I would have mm-hmm. liked the cinematography to be elevated, and just because of the color, like black people, we have such beautiful skin. Yeah, and so with certain light lighting, you can convey um, a mood, and so a lot of the lighting. Uh, for the the present day aspect of the film, everybody was kind of washed out, and so I mm-hmm. would have liked to have then have used like some purple lights, some red lights, just just some alternatives, just to give, um, just to elevate the I guess the scary or the scary aspect of the film, but also yeah. enhance the the color of the people, and then. Uh, I'm big on jump scares. Like I like the element of like psycho. I like psychological thrillers a lot. 
And so I would just wish they would have utilized music in a different way. And I'm like, plus the Snoop Dogg, like, how do you not have a crazy track in the back that's like kind of scary? Yeah, there there really wasn't any like scary music. Like, you know how like Jason or Freddie, I think it's Jason that kind of has like that that scary um music that plays throughout the movie. There could have been something like that. Um, I do agree with you when it comes to cin cinematography. Um, everyone looked very just gray. Mm -hmm. And I, I know they were trying to do that to convey that it was it's, it's a scary movie, so everything has to be dark and gray, but it could have been done better. So I totally agree with that. The special effects, I was really surprised at how good they were, um, especially that one wall where that black wall where the body was, were coming out of. I thought that was excellent. Like, I, I'll be honest with you, Jasmine. I watched this movie for the first time about two weeks ago. And <laughs> as much as I do love Snoop Dogg, I never thought to watch this movie because unfortunately, sometimes when you, you know, hear about a black movie and you look at the budget, the production value is very low. And I was just like, I don't want to see Snoop Dogg in a movie that's horrible. Like, I don't want to see him that way. But, you know, that's that's what's wrong with, you know, us, me, everyone, you know, when it comes to supporting black films, sometimes we are, we prejudge of how that movie is going to be. So bad, bad Andy. Um, so what is the most rewatchable scene? What is the one scene that if you were to watch this movie again, you would just fast forward to it because you have to see it? Uh, um, I think it, for me, it's the talking heads. It's them talking trash. It's yeah. them, like with a very minimal, like, shut <laughs> up. Like, I just, I, I love, I love it. Yeah, it's like Mac. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it's like Mac is just only good at talking. Like he's not really good at anything else because he doesn't. He knows how to sell a dream. Mm hmm. But you, you, you have to. I don't want to say you have to be dumber than him, but you. He know he, he can sell salt to a slug. Uh, <laughs> and but Snoop was so you know past that like because he was you know he was just. I don't want to say older, but he was just past that. And so he was just annoyed by him. And it was it was great. Yeah. And he was just funny. I guess like my favorite scene that I could like rewatch again would be um hmm. I think it would have to be the scene where the as disgusting as it is, the scene where um Bones the dog throws up all those maggots. Oh my god. Cause that, cause that kind of sort of like light, like gory, like crazy stuff like that. So I could probably rewatch that. And then um, my second scene, which is also, which, which which is linked to that scene, is when the maggots fall down into the nightclub and people are just like eating maggot pizza and <laughs> it's that raining was, maggots. <laughs> that was ew! ew oh my god. I can watch that again. Itch. It makes me itch. <laughs> okay, cool. So who won the movie? And audience, when I say who won the movie, I mean I'm meaning like it could be a character, it could be one of the actors, it could be the director or like the story writer. Who do you feel like won this movie, Jasmine? Mm. 
I'm just gonna say Pam Greer. And and mm-hmm. I say this because I I I know she probably felt like she was in a pigeonhole of constantly having to do like black exploitation movies. But the yeah. fact that she looked so great at that age mm-hmm. and that people still revered revered her as that, um, as still like the Foxy Cleopatra, like you are the woman from the 70s that everybody wants and so she she was just gorgeous so so gorgeous um and so I I would say that she won that because most of her performances why they you know she often stole the scene oddly enough for me like even in a few words like don't go in the house and she just looks so good with those dreads um Mm -hmm. yeah I love her Okay, awesome. So for me, I feel like Jimmy won this movie. Once again, I am a Snoop Dogg fan. And I just feel like, you know what? I take that back. I'm I'm not saying Jimmy won the movie. I'm saying Snoop Dogg won this movie. <laughs> because he, I'm, I'm sure that throughout his career, people have presented scripts to him. Um, for all types of movies. And he can pick any opportunity that he would like in his career at this point. So I feel like he made an excellent choice in picking this movie and having it be, um, I believe it's his first movie. Uh, I'm not sure if he did this movie or Baby Boy first, but I feel like this was an excellent project for him. And you know, you kind of see Snoop Dogg in a different light, like, hmm, like Snoop Dogg loves horror movies. And I, I believe that he has mentioned in the past that he is a black exploitation movie fan. I saw an interview somewhere and it wasn't him, but I think it was maybe Clifton Powell who was saying that, or maybe the director, but they're pretty much saying like the scene where Snoop Dogg kisses Pam Greer like after they cut that scene like Snoop Dogg was like blushing and he couldn't like stop smiling (laughs) and they asked him like you know why are you all geeked up and he's and his response was like it's Pam Greer like I've watched so many movies of with her in it I've had a crush on her for years and like you know he was geeked up about it so when I heard that story, I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. Like he fanned out over her. But I mean, he just won by picking the script. I think he did an excellent job um, in the character of Jimmy Bone. On a five-star rating scale, five stars being that this movie is fantastic. And one star meaning that this movie is absolutely horrible. How many stars do you give this movie? Ooh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a, uh, a nice three. And I'm okay. judging it based off of the context of the time that this was made. Because if we do it off of now, it, mm-hmm. it's, I don't think it's fair. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, now we have so many different effects. We have CGI and people know how to maneuver through that. I think the mm-hmm. budget would be different because a lot of people want to make more uh, films that have like diversity and inclusion. 
So I think it would have received a, a bit more assistance. Yeah. Um, but within the context of the time and also the stars that they had, like Khalil, everybody loved Khalil at that time. Um, he's a cutie. He's such a cutie. Uh, so everyone, everyone loved him. Tam Greer was a household name. Um, their daughter, she's gorgeous. Bianca Lawson, like she was everywhere at that time. Like she was in Buffy. Uh, yeah. There were so many different things that she was doing. And so I think for the the people that they had, it was great. It was very, it was great for what it was. The only thing is, I think you know, with an eight million dollar eight million dollar budget. It doesn't allow a lot of wiggle room for effects and for things like that. Um, like seeing Snoop Dogg's face in the mirror, um, you could tell. I don't want to say it looked like it was projected, but it, it just didn't read um, with the eyes that I have now. It didn't read like current. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I'm gonna give it a three. And also a Snoop. Like, how can we be mad at Snoop? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So for me, I would give this movie a four stars. I felt like the story was unique. I felt like it was an excellent, it was excellent storytelling. Um, I will say, oh, you know what? I just thought about it. You ever seen that movie Hellraiser? Yes. So I feel like they kind of pulled a little bit from Hellraiser in that scene where um, Jimmy or uh, Bones the dog was eating that raw meat and it it built the anatomy in um, Jimmy Bones' body. I feel like they pulled a little bit from Hellraiser, which is all, always good um, for, some, for such a classic movie. But yeah, I feel like it was a great story. The casting was excellent. Um, all of the, the cast, like they kind of just worked well together. Um, I'm not, like I said before, I'm not sure about Tia or what even what Tia brought to the story, but okay. She was there, but, (laughs) um, I, I just felt like it was just great. It was special effects. They were good for, you know, what they had. Um, because I've seen some horrible special effects, but I feel like they did okay for for what they had, and yeah. I'm, I'm really proud of of this piece. So yeah, I'll give it a four. Um, of I feel like this movie could have a five stars with all of the changes that you suggested. I think that you know those are great suggestions. So if they bring in some of those elements on part two, maybe they should bring you in <laughs> to to make it to make it right. I feel like you could do that, Jasmine. Really give them some points. Thanks, girl. I want you to elevate. <laughs> but thank you, thank you so much for joining me, Jasmine, today. I really appreciate you taking out the out the time to join me on this cinema journey. It was a true pleasure. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? You have a social media handle you want to share with everyone? I do. Um on social media, my Instagram name is by Jasmine Simone. It's mm-hmm. uh, Jasmine with the E and not with the Z. So it's J-A-S-M-I-N-E Simone. Okay. Um, and then that's also my website, byjasminesimone.com. So if you need any assistance with like social media marketing, graphic design, logos, I'm your girl. So that's where you can find me. 
Hey everyone, from the bottom of our black cold hearts, thank you for listening to the Black Horror Project. Now here's your assignment. Help grow our community. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and share with all of your family and friends. Yes, everyone you know should be listening to our podcast, and that's how we grow, and that's how you show your support. Also, you can follow us on our social media pages. We have a Facebook and Instagram page at The Black Horror Project. Once again, The Black Horror Project on Facebook and Instagram. Then hop on over to our website, theblackhorrorproject.com, and subscribe to our email list to receive exclusive information about upcoming episodes and anything awesome that's going to be happening with us. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.